And we are back with the Running Lifestyle Culture podcast. I'm very, very pleased to welcome IG, Ian Griffiths. Ian, how are you? Hey, hey, Mary, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, Ple- pleasure, pleasure. So you've, you've had a listen to the podcast. And one of the things we do on the podcast is we let the guests intro themselves. So Ian, give us an intro. Who are you? Yeah, so um, delighted to be here. I've listened to every episode you've done so far, and uh, you know, big shoes to fill. <laughs> pardon, the pun, pardon the pun. Uh, I am uh, I'm a podiatrist, a sports podiatrist, um, make, based in London, like yourself. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. But what, what's a, what's a podiatrist? Just in case people don't know, if they're in the US, they might not, or there might be. A, is, there a, <laughs> is there a different term in the US, by the way? No, they're, they're, they're probably more likely to know what it is in the okay. US, actually. It's, yeah, it's a pretty true. well-established term there. Um, yeah, we, we are the nerds that have, have spent our, all of our sort of professional lives studying and learning about and trying to better understand the human foot and how it behaves, how it performs its relationship uh, with uh, pain and injury. Um, and because I've moved into the world of, of sports medicine and sports injury, a particular focus for myself on on that within within runners as well perfect so any problems with your feet please stop asking me ask ian (laughs) (laughs) ig knows it he knows the stuff um so ian's also a runner so let's talk running ian like how long have you been running what's 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 been on the agenda how like tell me about your running journey that is a very generous term to call me a a run particularly (laughs) from a from a a runner, you know, a man such of your own ability. Um, I, Thank you. The, the vast majority of my life, I, I, I was running with a ball at my feet or, or after a ball. You know, it was it was football was 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 first and foremost. And um, the only running I really did that wasn't part of training for that in pre-season was um, uh, I don't think I've ever told anyone this actually. But when I do uh, when I public speak, so when I speak at conferences, yeah. I get very, very nervous, and yeah. I, like, I'm, I, I, I compensate for that by over-preparing, so I'll have a script in my head, and I'll run over it again and again and again. Yeah. What I'll often do is I'll, um, this sounds ridiculous, but I'll, I'll try and practice <laughs> practice it when I have a high heart rate, because it sort okay. of stimulates that, that feeling of nerves and adrenaline. Yeah. So before every big conference I've ever done, I have generally gone out for a, a long run, and i um, said it out loud i mean as in as in nice. verbally out loud nice um, you know, who cares? and i remember on the morning of my wedding um i was so nervous about my groom speech i did the same on the, on the morning of my wedding i went for a run and again i practiced my groom speech so other than football and practicing public speaking um i never used to do that much until i hit my my midlife crisis just before my 40th birthday <laughs> uh, two two years ago yeah. and uh i thought okay time to uh you know time to sort of uh, sort of Get a get a bit of a check on my my, uh, my body and my fitness and my lifestyle yeah. and my mental yeah. health. Um, and the last two years, I, I would probably identify more as a runner than any anything else. So um, probably average average anywhere between forty and fifty kilometers a week. And uh, you know, five k's, ten k's, half marathons have all been raced in the last two years. And the good there thing about go. being a new runner is uh, the PBs the PBs come thick and fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good right it's good every race is a pb i love it um the one thing the one thing i do i do like is is that you obviously run so it gives you context right in terms of when you are working with with runners because runners are everywhere um do you think that changed in terms of your like mindset clinically and and the way you worked with with 
um, people's feet? Did that change because you started running? You know, I, 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 I absolutely think it did. And I'm kind of, I, I shouldn't be so surprised that it did, but it, but I was a bit surprised by how much it changed uh, the way I behaved as a clinician. Um, it doesn't allow, you know, you don't have to run to be a good podiatrist, mm. you know, or physiotherapist. You, you don't have to run to, to understand running mechanics or the way the foot behaves or yeah. the interaction between foot and footwear. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I do probably believe you have to run to understand the runner. Yeah. And obviously when we see people in our clinics, we see people who want advice on footwear or on their foot pain or on their calf pain or their shin pain. Um, you know, we're not just seeing a painful foot or a painful shin. We're seeing a, a human, a, hu- yeah. a human, a runner yeah. with a painful foot or a painful shin. And it really, it really did help sort of just, just dial in my, the, my, my, my language, the way I discuss things, the questioning, just getting into the psyche of running yeah. and why people run yeah. and why they won't stop running sometimes. <laughs> the decision, the decisions they make, their behaviors. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I make all those I make all those same errors myself now. Sometimes, I yeah, think. definitely. I, I think also, <laughs> like clinically for me, expectations. So you get to understand expectations, right? Because you're a runner as well, you understand. Okay, this is what I would expect. Um, and and perspective is is basically yeah, a big thing. I think you've just touched on probably the next thing I wanted to get at, which was um, we've got a lot of new runners out there, so I get a lot of questions about um, footwear. What would you say is important when somebody chooses footwear? Yeah, it's it's a massive question, um, and it doesn't feel like a massive question initially. Mm. I think when you come you come into this new, um, you perhaps have spoken to a few friends, you've perhaps read a few websites or, or seen a bit of marketing literature, and it's it's sold as being this very simple sort of formulaic algorithmic approach whereby there is the perfect shoe out there for you. Mm. We just need to we just need to check a few things about you and we need to find that shoe yeah and when you're really sort of for the scientifically curious if you know we we could really dive into the literature if we wanted and it soon becomes pretty clear that um the running research is rather unhelpful often mm. it's it's quite equivocal meaning it often contradicts itself it often it's, it's fraught with limitation yeah um so I don't think people like that uncertainty. Certainly, it doesn't lend itself well to marketing. Yeah. Um, but we have to say right from the top of this that um, you know we don't have all the answers, and we've got yeah. to be comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I think when we look at what we want from a shoe to do as a runner, speaking as as the runner, yeah, the, the holy grail would probably be well, I'd love a shoe that could reduce my injury risk. Yeah. That's often the one of the big promises. Yeah. And as a real bonus, increase my performance as well. Um, they're two very separate discussions that are yeah, probably worthy of, of uh, individual podcasts themselves. So we'll yeah. probably just stick with injury risk if yeah. that's okay. But yeah, yeah, the, shoe, the magical shoe that can reduce injury risk is what I as a runner and what most runners I speak to, and I'm sure you speak to, mm. is what they what they crave. Mm. Um, and then we sort of say, okay, well, how, how, best do we, how best do we match a person to a shoe yeah. to deliver on that promise? And this is where you know we lean on the science and we look at the literature. <laughs> And, and we find it's not as helpful as we'd like it to be. Yeah. Um, the one thing I should probably say as well is, and I'm sure people who listen to your podcast are already aware of this, but we need to remind ourselves that science, is, it, 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 science isn't facts. Yeah. Science is, is, is a process. It's a yeah. way of thinking. And what we essentially do or what researchers do is they, they, they sort of systematically ask questions, mm-hmm. design studies that hopefully uh, 
answer those questions as best they can. Yeah. And then with every step of um, that process, we, we try and work things out a bit a bit more. So we're, we're not really ever looking to be right. We're looking to be less wrong, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then over the long course of time, hopefully all of us are a bit richer for it from a, from a knowledge perspective. So we're nowhere near where we need to be with regard to matching shoes to people with regard to reducing injury. And we've also got this gray area where we, if we want to be even more sort of uh, specific about this, we need to work out how are we going to define injury? Because, you know, speaking to you, as I know you run all, you know, every day, as far as I'm aware, last mm. time we spoke, you, you were. And yeah. I, I bet if I say to you on any given day, you, you, do you never have any pain or sensitivity when you run? That's, yeah. that's not the case. That's, um, you know, that's one thing as a, as a physio, we I kind of try and try and elucidate to, to and tell uh, people who are coming new into running it's it's a, it's a tough sport and it will make you yeah you'll get those sensations which you can't sometimes differentiate right it's um yeah i mean you wake up and yeah like, my, my calves are tight today but do you have a, a calf injury yeah so i think when we're looking at you know the research that's tried to answer some of these questions for us about what shoes can do or you know what, what can they or can't they do with regards to influencing injury risk the first thing to say is how have they defined injury in that study yeah um is it is it you know uh, symptoms for one day is it an inability to train for th you know three sessions mm -hmm. in a row is it a week completely out of your sport you know different it means different things depending on the definition yeah um the the the, the thing i would always say because it often gets thrown at me this um with regard to shoes uh, sort of perceived inability to completely have influenced injury rates over over the years mm. is that people often quote to me that you know the injury rate in runners hasn't changed mm. so i can't remember the exact figure uh, i probably should have researched it um That's but cool. you know somewhere between 60 60 to 80 percent of, of, of runners will get injured in a given year so i think i'm i don't think i'm too far off with that yeah. loose loose boundary there um and you know People often say, "Well, that hasn't changed year on year on year, decade on decade." The same, you know, percentage of runners per annum are getting injured. Yeah. And the thing that we should probably note with that is that the, the demographic of runners, uh, you know, not just how many people are doing it, mm. but, but what that what those people what that group of people look like is very different now yeah. to what it was a couple of decades ago. So you go to any given race in the 1970s, 1980s, not only are far, not only are there far fewer people on the start line. But back in the late 70s, early 80s, anyone running 50 kilometers a week was a serious runner. Yeah. You know, people just weren't, people weren't really doing that. So, you know, if we say, well, 60, 70% 70, 70 of runners back then were getting injured, when we come forward to 2020 and we get to your average race, which has thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of yeah. people, yeah. Of all different shapes, all different sizes, all different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm running 40 to 50 kilometers a week. Don't consider myself anywhere close to being you know um, a good or elite runner mm. um, and I know I'm not I'm not alone in that and there are people doing higher volumes than me that I would say it's mo what's most impressive is that that injury rate hasn't gone up yeah um, you know there are just far more of us doing it and we're far more diverse in our in our sort of makeup yeah so I, I think the injury rates being compared across the, the decades is probably um, misleading to say that to say the least so sci science is messy that's that's basically yeah, that's, that's what, what you've just you just said yeah i did i did read that tweet that you said read so i i do i do listen to you oh that yeah. was from steve magnus yeah, yeah absolutely um, it was beautiful wasn't it? Yeah. it you know um yeah and anyone who 
who is, is, isn't, isn't clear on what science is. It, it, it's just not beautifully black and white. The, yeah. the vast majority of the time, we are doing our best to understand things better. Um, and that is a, a process. And it's it's okay to be wrong, you know, which, um, which is fine. I think then when you look at, you know, going to a running store, you open a running magazine and it starts telling you, this shoe does X or this shoe does Y. Or if your foot looks like this, you need this shoe. They're speaking in such such robust and, and firm and um, absolutes. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I guess from a marketing point of view, you, you have to. Mm. Um, I'm no marketer, but I'm guessing um, people don't like uncertainty. Yeah. People don't like wishy-washy gray areas. And unfortunately, yeah. in science, that's that's where we find ourselves. Yeah. So there's definitely, I, I heard a great quote from uh, Ross Tucker, you know, sport, uh, Professor yeah. Ross Tucker, the sports scientist on, on a podcast he did maybe a year ago. And he talked about... Um, I think he phrased it that there's never been such a, he doesn't know of any other area where the discourse between the research being done and the end user, it's, so the end user being yeah, the runner, yeah. where the discourse between those two is so vast. Yeah. Um, I, I, would say, the mess- I would say the health, health and fitness industry is very much like that. You know, uh, there is quite a discourse between what we see in research and what is done. For instance, stretching, you know, it's still... Yeah. It's still this holy grail. Um, so we'll we'll get onto this on another podcast. But stretching is still this holy grail. Uh, Ian's actually got a good podcast on this. Um, so you know, where there is, I think, as an as a as a whole, the science is is different, and this is why I wanted to talk to you about. So you know, you, you've alluded, you kind of mentioned it. You've said, you know, the science is messy. It's it's not precise, and I always say to people. The science for me is like being it's like being on a country road it's not like being on a highway where it's completely straight it's on a con- you're on a country road and you're constantly changing direction and that's frustrating for people so yeah. considering the science ian somebody is new they're listening to the podcast how are they going to choose their shoes yeah it's the big one isn't it it's the real big one um let, let's start because i'm conscious that um, despite it being messy and uncertain, I do want to try and give some value to, to people listening. Or, there's, or what's the point of me being here? Right? Yeah. So rather than just standing here and and saying all the things that um, that, that aren't helpful, let's try and give some. Help. <laughs> and we we probably best start answering the question of what they should do by by clearing up probably some of the things they shouldn't do. That's yeah. probably a good starting yeah. point as well. Yeah. Um, and the thing they are most likely to, to cross paths with is the the sort of um, the model of choosing a shoe based on your foot shape okay. or, or better better phrased as the, the, the footprint your wet foot leaves behind, mm-hmm. I think is the one that's most well known. I think certain magazines still talk about the wet foot test in that way. Yeah. But there's long been this belief that the shape of your foot or the footprint or the arch height of your foot yeah. is going to be a really, really strong indicator of the shoe you will do best in. Yep. It's probably worth stating from the off that we've got pretty reasonable data now to suggest that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't necessarily need to get too deep into the research, but rest assured, they did some big studies in military populations, mm-hmm. um, which are kind of perfect for this sort of research because they're matched for a lot of factors. So yeah. you tend to get military recruits and they're about the same age and they tend to sleep the same amount every night and they tend to be you know, fed the same food at the same time and they yeah. tend to do the same volume of training. And as we know, injury is complex and multifactorial and, and messy. Um, mm. And it's always going to be more about the shoe. Um, mm-hmm. And all of those other things are sort of controlled for in military populations, or at least standardised. Yeah. Um, 
and they looked across the three major arms of the military in the US, so the, the, the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy. Yeah. Um, and what they did uh, to really briefly summarize is they split people into two groups at the start of their military training, and they uh, randomly. And one group, they just all gave them a shoe, same shoe, mm-hmm. um, didn't even look at their foot posture. It was a stability shoe for reference. And the other group, they sort of matched their foot shape, you know, their wet foot test, to the shoe that that historical model dictates. Yeah. And then they followed them through time. I believe it was their, their, you know, the next 12 months. Obviously, because they're human and they're active, there are going to be injuries in both groups. Yeah. There's no getting away from that. Um, yeah. But they looked at the different, was there a difference in how many injuries in each group? And the answer was there was not. Yeah. So the conclusion here was, you know, if you could give a shoe at random or you could match the shoe f- to the foot shape. Yeah. But there was no influence on the injury risk. Yeah. And that's a fairly large, you know, fairly large numbers in that study. Um, there's been so that's one of the things not to do. I wouldn't yeah. worry too much when the people in the store ask you what your foot looks like, or you know, they try and label you as a pronator or supinator. Those, yeah. those terms, yeah, those horrible terms that people get labelled with. Um, the other thing we need to be mindful of, of course, is some of the other technologies in shoes that have made promises over the years. Mm-hmm. So things like cushioning is the big one you know? mm. and we've had this sort of this cyclical scenario where we go it's a bit like fashion a bit like flares in fashion yeah. right they're, <laughs> they're really in they're really in for our parents and then we you know they go out of fashion and they come yeah. back in fashion everything yeah. kind of just moves in, in, in cycles doesn't yeah. it and um, it seems with running shoes we go through this cycle of them being very very minimal like the 1970s racing flats yeah uh, maybe a little bit of barefoot running in there, and yeah. then uh, they get more cushioned yeah. because cushioning is is, a, is thought to reduce impact, and and impact is allegedly linked to injury. But again, there's uh, an alleged, a strong allegedly there. Mm. Um, then we go back through a cycle of things being more minimal and barefoot again, and yeah. now we're in the the phase of things being really cushioned again. Yeah. So um, there's no real solid answers there either, which is kind of frustrating when it mm. comes to injury. So whether we're looking at the shape of our foot, the stack height, so how thick our cushioning is, um, the kind of control features a shoe has, so whether it's you know giving you some kind of support. Um, the easiest way to summarize all of this is that it's all a bit messy, but the overwhelming sort of um, uh, sort of theme that comes out from the totality of the evidence is that it's really not clear that any of these things have a significant influence on injury risk. Yeah. You have probably we, you know, we being a society, not me and you, or not mm. runners themselves, but we as an entire population have probably given the shoe a little bit too much credit for yeah. what it can and can't do. I'm yeah. saying it's not important. I, I don't want to throw the baby out the bathwater, but there's so many other things that runners can get on top of, can manipulate easily, that have been shown to be far bigger wins for injury risk. Mm. Um, as we know. Uh, things like sleep patterns things like nutrition yeah train you know training habits we yeah i should have mentioned those first actually that's the real real big one yeah no matter what shoe you're in if you train like a an absolute maniac um mm. you're going to probably get injured <laughs> um so you know there's so that many is. things that we can and probably should get on top of as a runner yeah first and foremost and then the shoes are lovely bonus at the end of it um yet what Definitely. we see with a lot of new runners is they get bought into, you know, buy into the marketing and they think that it's all about the shoe. So I think the real message for me is don't worry too much about what your foot's doing. Don't worry as much about sort of the proposed link between the shoe being the, the holy grail of injury 
prevention. Yeah. We should probably get something um, that's comfortable. Yeah. Which we'll, I guess we'll talk about a bit more shortly. Um, and that sounds sounds like a silly thing to say because, you know, all running shoes in theory should be comfortable when you first put them on. But comfort's a very personal thing. It's yeah. a very person-specific and, and subjective thing. Um, I've got maybe 40 pairs of shoes. Um, they all feel slightly... I know, oh, I know. Yeah. I hope my wife's not listening. They all, feel, <laughs> they all feel slightly different on my feet. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where, you know, I know we've had this chat before, but I think if you blindfolded me and gave me certain pairs... I'd know we, I, I'd know when I Which was in one? certain pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a real personal thing there, and, and um, I think getting something comfortable, getting something which isn't over-engineered at, at first. Yeah. Um, and then what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to, on top of that, get on top of all the other big, big wins that you can, the boring stuff, the, yeah. you know, the nutrition, the, the training habits, and over time, as you become a more experienced runner, you will probably dial in a little bit more accurately as to what you like the feel of on your yeah. feet. And that will change, that will absolutely change over time. Yeah. But also there's there's a little bit of um, selection bias depending on certain things, right? So um, I've no, you know, I, I've kind of talked to you about this before. And like, if you do have maybe Achilles tendon specific issues, you wouldn't be wearing something with a low profile. Yeah, good call. So forgive me because when I answered that question of the new runner, I was, I should have said, I was sort of answering it from the, from the sort of, uh, Completely in fit context runner. of a, an uninjured yeah. new runner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, and they, by the way, are the most difficult, um, people to advise. Yeah. People who are currently not injured or previously have no history of injury. Yeah. They're quite difficult to advise. Whereas actually it does become potentially easier to sort of guide people towards design features yeah. that may be favourable if they have a current area of sensitivity yeah. or a previous previous sort of persistent problem. Yeah. So like you say, when we, we've got these design features like the stack height, so how thick the midsole is, the mm. amount of cushioning there is, the drop, which is that difference between the thickness of the stack height under the heel versus under the forefoot, mm -hmm. so essentially how much of a heel you're wearing. Yeah. The width of the width of the forefoot, the presence or absence of a of a rocker bottom sort yeah. of geometry, and, and, and you know all of these kind of features can be hugely influential to comfort, but also they can they can have influences on various tissues and their levels of sensitivity. So, like you say, if someone has a real compression type problem at the forefoot, um, you know. Um, so you get it there's a really common nerve problem there called, called morton's neuroma yeah. which many runners may well have heard of yeah that's very sensitive to compression i.e the forefoot doesn't like being squeezed so they'll often report that when they're in their their brogues going to work it's at its most most uncomfortable mm -hmm. um so guiding people towards a shoe which has a wider toe box yeah probably sensible in the presence of that problem yeah they like say with achilles tendons ongoing you know ongoing calf irritability they're going to normally do well with a higher drop shoe yeah. or with a rocker bottom. You know, yeah. it, the, the, the features which essentially reduce some of the, the loads on those tissues until such a time that they've worked hard in the gym, built up the capacity of those tissues to tolerate things better. Yeah. Um, and we always sort of say to people, and this kind of comes under the umbrella of people saying, you know, what about if I change shoes? You know, because we see a lot of people, they're told you need a Brooks Beast or you need an Asics Kayano. Yeah. And then for the next 20 years, they just buy it and buy it yeah. and buy it. And I always say to people, a shoe recommendation is, 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 is a recommendation at a given point in time yeah. based, on, based on all the sort of factors we've talked about. And 
10 years later, if you haven't changed or evolved whatsoever as a runner, firstly, how, what are you doing? Yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. Um, but secondly, okay, if you haven't, maybe you should still be in an identical shoe. But the idea of needing the same shoe 10 years on just because someone told you 10 years ago you do doesn't seem to fit with how we currently understand yeah. things. So um, I think we always say human tissues don't like holidays and don't like surprises. Yeah. Um, so when we think about that in the context of the way we train, so taking breaks from training or something, yeah. doubling up our training, it's not always going to go well. A big switch, if you've been in one shoe for a long period of time and you suddenly switch, you could find that that may be problematic as well. And it isn't that you were in the right shoe and this this is the wrong shoe that's injured you. It's the, it's the change. Yeah. Um, the human body is incredibly adaptive and you know will will tolerate tolerate most changes if you give it time to. Yeah. And this kind of feeds into people only having one pair of shoes that they wear for their set number of kilometers and then they replace it again. And yeah. People say to me sometimes, you can't possibly wear 40 pairs of shoes. And the answer is no, of course I don't because they're not all comfortable. I buy shoes and I decide whether I like them or not yeah. after the fact. But there are 12 that are in regular rotation. rotation. I'll never wear the same pair of shoes two days in a row. There you go, guys. So you do need... Uh, you know you do need a rotation of shoes because we know that changes the impact forces and every shoe is going to give you a different external load so that's what i kind of tell people it's you, you want you want to have the internal load which will be you know lots of different variables so it could be your sleep it could be your diet it could be lots of different things and external load is footwear it's the way you you know where you're running your terrain all these things so um yeah i always explain um i think that's a great way of explaining it and i always sort of say just think of it like cross training you know yeah. like when you know just 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 a broader spectrum of, of training just just prepares you know your tissues are generally going to complain when you deliver something to them that they're not prepared for yeah so you know just be in a better state of, of preparedness so to speak and mm. we know there was one research study done by the guys in in luxembourg and they're the, they're they're producing all the best work for those who who care to delve a bit deeper yeah. the lead researcher there is a guy called laurel malisu and mm. his team there are just pumping out some real quality work and they did a study a few years ago which looked at people who only wore one 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 pair of shoes versus people that wore multiple pairs of shoes in parallel yeah and it looked at the injury rates between the two and it it showed that people that wore more than one pair of shoes had fewer injuries or they were injured less frequently i think yeah. it reduced the injury risk by like 40 percent. now i have heard him since say and this is a valid point that one confounder there was that people that have multiple pairs of shoes more experienced um, are, are more likely yeah. to be more experienced runners yeah. absolutely and we know that but being a more experienced runner probably you know has a lower risk attached with it as well so yeah. again we give the shoe all this credit but when yeah. we look at the run of themselves you know when we we take things back a step if we're going to prevent injury yeah prevents a strong word i know but if we're going to we should probably have an idea of what core you know there's this real cause effect relationship isn't there so yeah. what, what causes it in the first place and when we're designing shoes when we're talking about shoes abilities to prevent injury we need to say well to prevent injury they have to have an influence on the things that cause injury yeah now when we look at the robust predictive models we have um you know the things that come up fairly regularly are things like body weight well yeah. shoe doesn't have a massive influence on that yeah things like pre previous injury yeah um and training habits mm. again and again and again basically don't train <laughs> like an absolute maniac um, be sensible you know don't do too much too soon after having done too little for too long you know it's yeah. obvious stuff 
Um, and like I say, the shoe doesn't really have the ability to control those really, really big wins. That actually um, leads, us so on think... to, leads us on to the next point. Coverload. Talk to us about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Ian's, Ian's, this Ian's a, got a... this Ian's got this theory, which I completely agree with. I, I said this in a, in a podcast, uh, one of my podcasts, sort of came to me mid, you know, they always say, don't they? Uh, I, I never script, and as I know you don't, um, you never, I never script podcasts. I always prefer that they're just relaxed and conversational. But the yeah. downside to that is that sometimes something comes in your head that you think is a great idea to <laughs> out. And that's basically what happened in this particular episode that I was, we were talking about how to take a history from an injured runner. As It's, for, it's a podcast for clinicians, I should say, rather yeah. than runners. Yeah. And we talked about, um, the, at the moment, um, doing a lot more history taking so yeah. asking runners about their injuries on online yeah and therefore it becomes even more important to really really get good at asking the right questions yeah and we started realizing that because uh, those questions may may need to change based on people's current situations um so you know like we say most most if not all injuries we see are due to training error or yeah. you know overloading a tissue or, or like we say, catching a tissue by surprise, giving, delivering a, a load to it, it wasn't quite ready for at that moment in time. 100%. Yeah. Um, and they're far more likely, I'm not saying the shoe can't contribute to tissue loads, but they're far more likely to be the, the human behavior aspect or the training error mm. aspect than the shoe. Um, and I, like I say, right now, um, we are in a position where that's never been more true. We have far, far more, I don't know, you know, like I say, I regularly get running shoes and if any, I'm getting far fewer at the moment just because deliveries are just so much more slow. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a time um, earlier in the year a pair of shoes was arriving at my house weekly, yeah. um, much to my wife's sort of um, disapproval, whereas <laughs> that's not happening right now. So if anything, um, you know, the idea of changing around shoes is happening less. But one thing we're seeing a lot more of is, is um, changing people's training habits yeah. because of, you know, work environment or time or, you know, mental health sort of you know so i think we're in a, a time in life now where all of the things that have had big influences on, on running injury risk mm. historically um like sleep deprivation stress um bad training habits they're the things right now that are far far more likely to spike yeah than than than, than any kind of footwear discussion yeah which, which is is good the, the discussion the foot the footwear has had probably too much attention. So the yeah. fact that it, it should probably be getting a bit less right now, and we should be talking more about the way people train. And I think as, as clinicians, you and I and many clinicians out there, we're going to see an awful lot more people over the coming months when they when they see us, their opening story of how they ended up in front of us injured is far more likely to be, oh, well, I'd never been much of a runner before and I yeah. suddenly took it up, you know, because I had more time. Or, yeah. And, and that's totally fine. Um but like I say, I think that just speaks to how much more important some things are than the shoes themselves. Amazing. Um, so you can essentially get something that feels comfortable. As long as you're eating well, sleeping well, training well, yeah. you get something that feels comfortable, looks absolutely sick. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then adjust on the fly, listen to your body. Yeah. Over time, you will work out, like I have what amount of cushioning I like the best, what yeah. sort of drop I like, whether yeah. I, you know, there are certain shoes now where once I hear what material they're made of, when I look at their geometry and I look at their drop and I look at what the upper's made of, yeah. 
I'm like, give me that in a size UK nine, I'm good to go. I'm not sure. I'm not sure one. any of us will be at that point, but hopefully, maybe one day. <laughs> I trust. Trust me, you'll buy enough. You'll be. You'll get there. I, I promise you. <laughs> you just... um, so I've I've got this theory. It's not about the shoe, and um, I think it was a obviously it was a Nike marketing once before. It's not about the shoe, and I saw it, and I thought. It's definitely not about the shoe, and I think you've summarised that in, in, and I don't need to add anything else to that. Um, what's your favourite shoe? Your all-time favourite, the shoe master, oh, IG, Ian Griffiths, the shoe master, you are. This is, it, my, my mind immediately goes to uh, Vaporfly 4% Flying It. Yeah, that is a um, that is a shoe. It is insanely calm. I know mm. everyone talks about you know the four percent technology you know for its performance yeah forget forget the performance i'm an average guy at best anyway um what what people never talk about enough when it comes to that shoe for my liking is just how insanely comfortable yeah it is. yeah and the second i put it on i loved it i i've got three or four pairs i mean i it's the kind of shoe where you on the day you get it you could go out and do 20k you know the idea of breaking a shoe. Guys, guys, just don't do old... don't do that, please. Don't do that. Don't no, buy no, them. don't, don't... Do that. Not if you, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. The idea of having to break if you regularly did a twenty k on a Sunday, yeah, and you got a new shoe arrive on the Saturday. Yeah, traditional wisdom would have been don't do that twenty k yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, that new shoe. Yeah, and, and um, I would have absolutely said that to people over the last couple of decades in my clinical practice. Yeah, the Vaporfly arrived and I got it on, and that first day I thought I'll just be. I'll just be sensible. I'll just go out for six k. Yeah, uh, I I know I could have done twenty in it that first yeah. day. That very yeah. first day I got it. It's just so comfortable. It's it looks the absolute bee's knees. Yeah. Um, but very close second, a shoe that's got a very I've got a real soft spot for, is the Adidas Boston Boost. Cool, nice, nice. I just I just love that shoe. Yeah, that yeah, that, that, shoe, that shoe that shoe is renowned. Yeah, really renowned. I think there's quite a lot of people who love that shoe. Definitely. If you look at those two, you know, if you look at, if I gave you my list of top five, all of them would be light. Um, they would all have about a 10 mil drop. They would all have a fairly, um, fairly soft midsole, you know, and what would traditionally be referred to as a neutral shoe. So there, you know, that they, that is what I have found over the years by trial, error, and a bit of understanding what, what works for me. Yeah. And I guess people out there just need to find what works for them. And, and, and the real honest thing here is you're highly unlikely to get that first time yeah. you know you can speak to the people in the store you can come and see you know physiotherapists podiatrists we can guide you we can advise you based on you know your back your past history your present status your future goals we can have a look at the way you move we can guide you and give you our our, our sort of input but the chance of getting it right first time are not particularly not particularly likely so yeah you know, you've got to prepare yourself for this being, you know, you might be two pairs, three pairs, four pairs of shoes deep, which isn't ideal, I know, given they're a good hundred pounds each on yeah. average nowadays. But, yeah. you know, that that's part of the process. You know, when you speak to runners about who've been running many, many years, who found what works for them, they found what socks work for them, what pants work for them, yeah. what running vest works for them. Yeah. You know, they, they they really got that that got they really got that first time. Yeah. It's just trial and error. Definitely. And you see people standing on the start line of marathons you know, wearing everything that they know works for them from top to toe. Yeah. They know what nutrition they're going to take. They know what gels sit well with them. Yeah. You know, they know what sunglasses don't don't steam up and don't bubble up and down. Yeah, shoes are just part of that part of that fun. It's experiment, experimenting yeah. definitely. All right, so um, I didn't let you know about this, but 
each podcast we have a track of the podcast you probably know because you've actually listened to them so what's your track of the podcast you know i was nervous about this i, <laughs> I, I listened to the um I listened to uh, the last couple of podcasts you did and I heard you ask the guests and I was like, and when we, when you said, can I come on? I said, yeah, great. And you didn't mention it. And I was like, is he going to ask me? Is he not? Should I prepare something? And the thing that terrifies me here is I'm, I'm not particularly cool. And I listened to your previous guests and they, you know, just, you know, there's real, there's, just, there's some absolute tunes being banged out. And, um, I'm going to show my middle age here. That's I'm, fine. You know, Everyone's flavor is different. A 42 year old man that lives in Hertfordshire. And this is going to become really clear, but, this song's got a bit of a special meaning for me because I used to, I'm a big ice hockey fan. Okay. I used to watch a lot of it growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, live ice hockey. And yeah. in ice hockey, I don't actually see much of it. They always have a, a tune that the yeah. players skate out to. Yeah. And ice hockey players are just cool and they look, they look cool. And it just so happens the first ever race I did when I first, when I started running a couple of years ago was a 10K. And at the start line, complete coincidence when they sort of given you the countdown and they they start some music to get everyone up for it. Yeah. They played the exact same song. Okay. Like, this is a sign. And this nice. song is Thunderstruck by ACDC. Perfect. We're going to play a bit of Thunderstruck by ACDC. <laughs> I apologise in advance. No, that's cool. Ian, thank you very much. This has been the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. Can we get you back on? 100% if you have me I'd be delighted yeah we'll get you back on I think we'll get you back on when there's an event on when you're training and we'll, we'll maybe discuss your training cycle and um, I know you've, you've, you've probably got some um, there's probably going to be hopefully some conferences coming up so um, and maybe some research you never know yep hopefully all of the above hopefully yeah. like you know life gets to a stage where we're, we're racing we're doing research we're speaking at conferences again that would yeah. be good Thanks very much, mate. Um, so Pleasure, man. I'll play a bit of ACDC before uh, the end of this podcast. As suggested by Ian, here we are with Thunderstruck by ACDC. Go! You were listening to the Running Lifestyle Culture podcast with Ian Griffiths, Manny, out.